Listeners, hello. Welcome back to Habit Helps, a podcast of Creekside Community Church in San Leandro, California, where we talk about how habits build you and about how you can build better habits. My name is Jeff Bruce. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm again joined by two of my colleagues, the esteemed, the venerable, Reverend John Bruce, Creekside's (laughs) founding pastor and current pastor of discipleship, my beloved father, and we're also joined by Greg. Guys, how you doing today? <laughs> Excellent. Good. Thank you. Good. <laughs> I Good. thought it was right, Reverend. Right, Reverend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Greg, I feel like I accorded you much honor last week, so I just wanted to balance the honor scales, as it were. Yeah, it's the correct amount right now. Okay. <laughs> I feel better. <laughs> Men, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you in the Warriors as we head into the playoffs? 1 to 10. 10. 10. Super confident. Yeah. You think they're going to lock in? Yeah. I think they got the best players. So what, how can they lose? One injury away, so I'm saying four. 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 One injury away. Wow. I'm going to split the difference and say seven. I'm at about a seven <laughs> confidence. So how far do they go? First round, second round, conference finals. Finals are, in the words of Leandro Barbosa, we going to be championship. <laughs> <laughs> Where, where, where are they going? I'm confident they'll be in the first round. Okay. <laughs> Give me a 10 on that one. Hot take. Yeah. I agree, I think. I yeah. think that's true. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for adding nothing to this conversation. We're going to talk about parenting now. Uh, today we're going to continue our series on the habits of biblical parenting. According to the Bible, parents have primary responsibility for their kids' spiritual development. We are responsible as parents to help our kids walk with Jesus for a lifetime. How do we do that? Well, Greg has the answer. I'm just kidding. The Bible gives us the answer, but Greg, you have done an excellent job of summarizing the Bible's teaching. That's why you're here with us to talk about this. And Dad, you've been parenting for almost 42 years now. And so you have a lot of uh, thoughts and experience on this. That's why you're here. Why am I here? Question. But uh, we're going to take five weeks and look at these habits. So we looked at the foundational principle last week that parenting is disciple-making. Generally speaking, parents get what they are. So if I want to raise kids who walk with Jesus, I need to walk with Jesus and to do it in a visible, audible, public way. Uh, The bottom line is that our kids are going to imitate us one way or another, so we must be imitatable. We need to provide our kids with a model That was last week. Uh, We need to provide a model, but second, our kids must want to imitate us. In other words, they'll never follow our example if they don't want to follow us, if they don't want to be with us, if they don't want to connect with us. And that leads to the the second habit that you talk about, Greg, Mm -hmm. which is that we need to win the hearts Mm -hmm. of our children. Winning the heart is what we're talking about today. Uh, Greg, initial thoughts on that? Um, Well, I've... um often quoted that Maya Angelou quote, which I think is, is really good, says that uh, I've learned that people will forget what you've said, and people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And um, I, I had turned that into kind of a thought in my head years ago that it, uh, you only actually say what they hear, that whatever they don't hear, you didn't really say to them. So it's not what you've said that counts, it's what they've heard that counts. 
And in my own life with my son, that's been really key. It's been a very key thing. Can he hear me? Does he want to listen to me? Because hmm. you have you can have content all day, but uh, the other side in listening, it's a two way street. Then uh, doesn't matter how great your content is. Yeah. Somebody with bad content who has great bedside manner will be listened to. Yeah. <laughs> Dad, any thoughts? Yeah, I think it's a it's an important topic because I think parents are really confused about. I, I see on one extreme, I see parents who expect to be heard because they're parents, and they they don't feel like they have to win anything, hmm. and they just they just take it as their right to be listened to. On the other hand, you have parents who are so concerned about being their child's friend, and they're afraid to ever cross their will, do anything that would upset them, or they feel like they've lost their children, and and, and in doing that, they lose their child's respect. So. I think it's a it's a important important topic. Good. So where do we see it in the Bible? What what, what are some verses that we could launch out from? I like this one proverb um, that uh, proverb twenty three twenty six. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. And what I've liked about that is um, he asks for the impossible. He says, "Son, give me your heart," which you can't really command somebody to give their heart. You have to win their heart. And he also then says, well, okay, if I've won your heart, I can say this to you because I've won your heart. Son, give me your heart. Then let yourself, let your guard down. Be respectful of me and be pleased with me and observe my ways. I like the two-sidedness of that proverb a lot, that, that it speaks to my side as a parent that... Um, that I want to get to the point to be able to say, son, give me your heart, and he says back, you have my heart, dad. And then to be able to say, let your eyes observe my ways, so now, now, please, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I like that verse a lot. Um, it's kind of pithy and short, so I don't know. There might be longer ones that, uh, you know, the right reverend over here knows, but... <laughs> No. <laughs> Any thoughts over here in double R? Other verses on this? Yeah, the, the verse I should I hadn't thought about this till now, but I think it's Ephesians six where ta where Paul warns parents to bring their children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord and, and not be embittered against them. In other words, there's a there's a tendency for parents to become frustrated with their children and then to show that frustration and which completely um, prevents them from bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So I think in winning your child's heart, you have to guard your own heart and to make sure that you are really loving that child as, as someone that God has entrusted to you. Well, and it's also a counter, counter to what you want to do. If you're yelling at your kid, um, be self-controlled, you know, whatever he's doing. You, you're, calm down, yelling, yes, calm down. Yelling, calm favorite. down, yelling, be self-controlled, and whatever it is that you're telling him to do, right. you yourself are not that at that moment. And so really you're making a rebel. Uh, you make a person who does not want to follow you but does it because they have to, And but inside there's a, a rebellion, you know. Once I'm out away from this person, I'm going to do what I want. Yeah. Um, so anyway... You, you can't be out of control to 
to tell somebody to be in control. Right. So I think what we're saying is that a kid has to have this overwhelming sense that your desire is for them, that yeah. you want what's best, and that you want them, that, yeah. that you want a relationship with them, and that you do not despise who they are. Yeah. You, you, you delight in them. And you mentioned Proverbs 23, 26. The verse before that, verse 25 says, let your father and mother be glad, let her who bore you rejoice. Mm-hmm. And there's this sense uh, that a parent's deepest desire is to rejoice in who their kid mm-hmm. becomes. And maybe the fundamental principle that we are articulating here is this, that if we want to rejoice in who our kids become, we need to rejoice in them now. Mm-hmm. We need to rejoice and be pleased with them now. Um, not that we're pleased with all their behavior, but that we actually just enjoy them. We're interested in them. We, we um, want to, to spend time with them. We would prefer to spend time with them. Mm-hmm. And that their sense is that, you know, my mom, my dad really desire to be with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that there's a, this is a limited time offer. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just uh, that you're really your opportunity to win your children's hearts is before they turn teenagers. And if they get to the teenage years and you have neglected, to, to really build a, a solid relationship with them, it becomes so much harder for for you to build a relationship with them once they get become begin to be independent and begin to want to be with their friends more than they want to be with you and, and stuff like that. And so, if you've built if you've really worked hard at building that close relationship up to that time when it's fairly easy to do, it's just a matter of, of giving them time and, mm-hmm. and 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 stuff like that. Then, even though the relationship changes in the teenage years, it, there there's a foundation for it. It still remains. But if you are too busy for your kids when they're the easiest to win, and then you see them kind of going astray and and walking away from you in their teenage years, it's it's a whole lot more difficult. To build that relationship with them then because they don't want to build a relationship with them then there's there's a lot of hurts a lot of neglect and bitterness there that have shaped the way they think about you mm-hmm. yeah could you say if you're too busy for them when they're young they'll be too busy for you yeah <laughs> once they hit middle school high school well they're going to be too busy for you no matter what you do but but it's it's a lot harder if you don't have that foundation of a relationship during those years right yeah and and so why i mean this seems so obvious right like your kids (laughs) enjoy them (laughs) don't despise them um enter their world um you know just enjoy the actual process of building a relationship with them and yet i think every parent can attest to how hard it is to just prioritize that kind of relationship with their kids. So why is it so hard um, if it's so obvious? One thing that comes to mind is maybe uh, us as parents, maybe as adults, we have not experienced anyone winning our hearts. And it's a brand new idea. It's a brand new thing. Um, We just did what we were told to do, and we uh, lived rebelliously in our minds and, um, you know, made the best all along, but we did not experience that that uh, Christ-like love for us that that uh, that He wants to win us so that we'll want Him, mm-hmm. and then we'll want to follow His ways because He's the best. I, we, that, 
I think that that's the case for a lot of us. And, you know, we're parents, we're breaking the mold every time of the last set of parents and the generations before everybody is having to break the mold. Um, and I think that's one thing. Don't know what it's like to be one yourself. Yeah, I, I really see that. I, I think my parents were, were very much demand and discipline and very let, light on affection. And, uh, and so I overreacted to that. I, I think of when I was first year of coaching a high school flip of high school um, swim team, I went overboard in being the good guy, the good, mm. everybody's buddy and stuff like that. And the team loved it, but we didn't accomplish much and, uh, <laughs> and stuff like that. And I realized you can't be the coach and, and, and not wield authority too. And so I, the next year, um, I, I, came back to more of a balanced view of being their friend, but also being their coach and, and putting some demands on them. And the team was by far not only better swimmers, but they were happier. They were, they were much happier. And I think that's what happens to parents, that if parents don't have an example, they can become real codependent on their children. And, and they see mm -hmm. being parenting is just doing everything my kid wants and not disappointing my child or mm -hmm. disciplining my child or setting any kind of boundaries, thinking that that will win their heart, but it doesn't. Mm -hmm. It just, they, the parent, you, it, they just become despised because, and I've seen that happen to a lot of families, um, is that the, the kids basically despise their parents because the parents don't wield authority in a, in a good way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, ultimately kids need parents who wield authority. Yeah. They, they need that structure, and so it's all about the how. Yeah. Um, yeah. But on the, on the other side of the spectrum you're talking about, of the kind of codependent relationship with kids, I think of that verse where, you know, Paul says it is for, you know, parents to put up for their children and not children for their mm -hmm. parents, that basically I'm going to take the burdens on in this relationship of making the hard decisions and, and bearing your burdens and emotions, and I'm not going to expect you to reciprocate in the same way yet. Yeah. I think that's the danger mm -hmm. that parents fall into is either they despise their kids in their discipline or they so want just a friend or a relationship and then they rely on their kids to be that yeah. mm -hmm. and to be something for them relationally that they're, they're just in no place to be and it's in a completely unfair position to put your kids in to, to meet an emotional need in the life of your kid. And so mm -hmm. I think Christ-like love would be to, to wield authority and to be an initiator in a one-way sense where mm -hmm. I'm going to keep pursuing without expecting um, any sort of matching mm -hmm. <laughs> love or affection back. That's the way Christ loves us. Mm -hmm. It's just perfect consistency, and that's yeah. what we have to model to our kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. I, it just, it's just a reminder that the, the tree is known by its fruit. And, and so you've got to deal with yourself first <laughs> and, and your motives and your perspectives and stuff like that before you can deal with anybody else, let alone your child. And so um, if you've got some of those codependent tendencies or you're neglectful of them because you're so into your job and, and uh, are so into your own pleasures or, or whatever, all these different things, those are the areas you've got to concentrate on dealing in your own character so that you can be the kind of parent your child needs. Mm -hmm. yeah. This isn't just a, a list of how-tos of here's how to be a good parent, so I'll just check, check off the list. It's, you're really, it's who you are. And, and, and uh, I, I love that verse in, in Proverbs that says, a man who walks in integrity, how, 
how blessed are his children after him. That that that's one of my main motives for walking with the Lord is because I know that it impacts my kids. And so I to be a parent, I had to first deal with a lot of junk in my own life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I had to uh face it that uh um that my default mode though was critical. Mm. That I had a critical heart to start because you know mm-hmm. my son is not Paul of Tarsus coming out of the womb. He's <laughs> he is somewhat somewhat south of that, yeah. and uh, he has to learn everything and does everything wrong and wants to push every button and needs to figure out you know just where where what what causes what, and I think that in the midst of of that um, that need to to uh, address that that there's troubles with your kid, you know, you don't want to see them project out what you see today and say, if I draw a straight line from the way he is right now, uh, well, I see prison, you know, I, you, <laughs> you, you just, you don't want to have that. And so you have this, I had this constant critical heart toward him, constant. And I had to go to the Lord and say, Lord, you got to take this out of me. I, yeah. I can't be constantly critical I, for the Lord is not constantly critical with me the, the Lord is uh, he he reproves and he encourages he he saves and and uh, uh, what, what the Psalm 23 his hook rescues me out of of my troubles he pokes me with the other side of the staff he beats off my enemies um, with the rod I I needed to be like Christ with him and not so fearful of his outcome, hmm. knowing that the outcome, you know, the outcome does sort of depend on me, but it depends on him, him walking with the Lord. And really the great motivation for to win him is so that he will not be uh, running and rebellious to me and to the Lord. Yeah. Ultimately, that's the want to win him, you know, the, the, the authority that is placed in his life for his first part of his life um, wants him loves him, wants the best for him, wants to win him. So the great authority in his life, Jesus wants him. So he sees the same thing. What I, what I love about that, too, is that connection between wanting to be with your parents and wanting to be with Jesus mm-hmm. and how closely those things tend to go together. That if, if parents are walking with the Lord and your kid just wants to be with you, the chances that they're going to want to be with Jesus, too, just go up exponentially because you're following Jesus. Uh, whereas if you are estranged from your kid, the likelihood goes way up that they're going to be estranged from Jesus as well. And I think this is a place for Christian parents where they really have to push back against the dominant cultural narrative that every new generation reinvents the world mm. and is estranged from their parents. Uh, that right. is a that is a modern Western idea. <laughs> right. Um, but that idea that, oh, you know, they're teenagers now, so, you know, they're going to break away from us and, and grow distant and all of these things, and, and now they got to go you know, f- remake the world for themselves, and, mm-hmm. and just the Bible would give the exact opposite impression, that you go pursue them and win them, and that they should want to be with you and want to be with you into later life, mm-hmm. um, and, and take on the very best of who you are, because that's how the faith passes from one generation to the next. Yeah. Well, now, when trouble comes, they want to come to you, yeah. and, um, and they want to then also then come to Jesus. And not the other way around, which a lot of kids with embittered hearts are. When trouble comes, the last person they want to talk to is their their dad or their mom. The last person, place they want to go is to Jesus, to the church. They run instead of come. And 
to be the place that they want to come when they have trouble, that's like the goal. <laughs> I, I think one thing you said was really profound, um, that you asked God to take your criticalness away from you. Yes. But you didn't stop there. No. But you, you set another model, and you looked at how God treats you and how Christ behaves, and that became your model mm-hmm. for how how to conquer this in your life. And, and I think that, that often the two extremes that I see is that people will, they think all they have to do is pray, and then God will do some miracle and change their character mm-hmm. rather than they need to cooperate in the change right. and, and imitate. And then the other thing is to think that how I am naturally, well, that's just who I am. And so yeah. I'm, I'm just naturally a critical person, or I'm, I'm naturally, this is the way I feel is the right way to parent, or this is the way I react to my children, mm-hmm. rather than say, no, we're fallen, and yeah. we, need, we need redemption. And, and the way we do that is by looking more and more at Christ. How did Christ li- live? Mm-hmm. Because if Christ lives in me, he's making me like him, and that gives, by looking at him, he gives me the pattern that I'm to follow. So it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what I think about parenting. It's it, what matters is what he says about parenting. Yeah, exactly. And how, how he treats me—that's the only thing that's that really right. matters. Yeah, yeah. And, and this gets back to the centrality of the gospel in this whole conversation because the yeah. only thing that's going to motivate you to pursue your kids like this is Jesus. Yeah. You know, it's the ultimate checkmate in the Christian life. <laughs> it's like, well, how does Jesus treat you? Yeah, that's Darn it. right. All right, that's that's how I got to treat them, right? That's, yeah. Because if you focus on your kids, or focus on outcomes, or focus on any of those other things, you're going to you're going to lose the goal. Um, and and uh, if you focus just on how does Jesus treat me, okay, then I can keep giving one way love without expecting affection or any of these things, and do it for the long haul knowing that I am winning their heart by doing this yeah. and that I'm becoming their safe harbor and the person who they most want to hear from and be with. Um, yeah, so that's good. Well, it's, it's also the sign that Jesus has won your heart hmm. and that uh, I want to hear what he has to say. You know, he, said, he says the same thing, uh, my son, um, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. It's the same thing. He he's saying, you know, give me your heart. I have I won your heart. And it, when he has, it's oh yes, Lord, let me. I will let myself observe your ways. Yeah. It's first he calls me, and then I call my son. Yeah. I I think one of the most poignant scenes in the Gospels is um, after Jesus' resurrection when Peter's in the boat, <laughs> and um, you know, he sees Jesus on the shore and he gets out and runs toward them. And you just think about the context of that. The, mm-hmm. the last time Peter saw Jesus, or the last time, you know, that, that Peter had probably even thought about Jesus, in a sense, was uh, when he denied him mm-hmm. three times. And the fact that Peter would deny him and then see him, and his instinct would be to just run to Jesus mm-hmm. like that. Um, and you think about how absolutely challenging to the core Jesus' teaching is, and yet these people just desired so much to be with him all the time. Says that he was the most gentle, lowly person who mm. ever lived. The, the, the most kind, the most compassionate. So, On podcast, how do you show your eyes are getting misty? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that scene, that, 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 that. John 21 always yeah, does it for exactly. me. It's like watching the end of Field of Dreams, right? It's just like, you you know, just thinking about it. Just... <laughs> yeah, that's good. It's, it's one, of those, one of those scenes. Um, how do we win them? How do we, how do, we do this practically? Um, 
And, and I would say, how do we win them regardless of what stage they're at? Because, mm-hmm. look, even if you feel like you've blown it and your kid's 14, 15, 16, we've said it already, God, God can restore years that a locust has, has eaten. So don't give in to, to fatalism here. Mm-hmm. Um, if Christ is, Christ is still pursuing you, you can still pursue your kids. So how do we do it? I, I would distill it down to one thing, which is be happy with them, whatever that means. I, that pleased, happy with them, even if they're in their troubles, even if their troubles look like its trajectory is awful, <laughs> at least there's a part of you that says, I'm happy with you being my son or daughter. Couldn't be, I, I couldn't be more pleased. I, mm-hmm. you're, you're mine, and I'm happy with you. And I think that, that people instinctively know when somebody is happy with them. Um, and that you then outcompete the world. I, you know, at that point, the, the happiest, the person happiest with you is the person that you're going to say, that's where I want to go. I want to be with. That does not mean you're, you, you roll over and say everything you're doing is great or anything like that. It's that my status with my, um, with my son is that I, uh, my son's status with me is that I'm always happy with the existence of that person. Yeah. And that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, God really models that, um, Luke 15, mm-hmm. and the prodigal son, that mm-hmm. uh, you have two sons who, who don't want the father, and yet the father wants both of them, mm-hmm. and goes and pursues, rejoices when they come back. Um, that's, that's the model for us as parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think time. You, just, you've, you can't have a relationship without spending time with them. And I think it's spending time doing the stuff they like to do. That's right. Rather than doing stuff you like to do. Yeah. Um, you can't call working in the yard time together um, because, <laughs> you know, even though the yard needs to be cleaned up and they do need to do their chores too, and it's better if you do it with them. But if if they like to play video games, then play video games with them. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if they like to go to concerts, then go to concerts with them. Um, but get go into their world. Mm-hmm. Just like Jesus came into ours, yeah, and and rather than try to force them to come into your world, yeah, uh, I think that's that's really important. That's mm-hmm. sort of the incarnational principle of parenting. Exactly. Yeah. I'm convicted because I play Madden with Jake, but uh, he's better at the year he plays, and I'm I'm the king of old Madden, so he was beating me a few days ago, and I got mad. So. <laughs> he's like, "Why do you care, Dad?" I'm like, I care because there's a glitch in the game, and I should be beating you. That's why I care. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway. I know for me, it was it was really important to recognize that criticalness, and that that my eye was essentially the eye of Mordor looking at him all the time, mm-hmm. and that that when I recognized that, and I went to the Lord to take that out of me, and that. He gives me, here's, okay, if you're on my side now, you want to have that kind of heart, here's things to do. I was way open to do the stuff that he had to say. When I recognized that that uh, my life was, I was being just like uh, uh, my mom with me, essentially, mm. who could never be pleased. And, uh, and so, you know, I had to get that out of me. That was a, a thing that the Lord had to really say, here's a better way to go. Here's the way, walk in it, do not turn to the left nor the right, that kind of thought. That was really important to me in that. 
I remember talking with a guy here at Creekside once, and one of the key things for him was to be the safe haven for his kids, meaning that he had the most grace whenever there was some situation that occurred. And he had this great line. He said, to be the epicenter of grace in the family. Yeah. Oh, the epicenter of grace. Now run to that guy. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, your son has really unique interests. Um, you mean everybody doesn't have those interests? Well, <laughs> not like he does. <laughs> and uh, you know, just loving, loving birds, loving you know, loving mm. nature, loving, I mean, not just loving it, but exploring and learning about mm. it. And I've just been so impressed over the years, all the places you drive him to in the middle of nowhere, just to see a particular bird. Mm. Or, I mean, you guys will drive for three days just out into the desert just to find some mm. animal that nobody's ever seen and he wants to find. And and the fact that you have um, sacrificed so many hours of your your time to help him to pursue his own interests, you know, it just mm. it's, it validates what what you're saying. That's right. It, exactly, is you're you're putting his interests ahead of your own, and uh, it was the best thing I did with him. <laughs> it was just great. We went everywhere. It was fun for me, um, but it could have been anything, you know. If he liked NASCAR, I guess I could have been working on cars and going to all NASCAR or something like yeah. that. But it was this, and um, it turned out it was such great that. The amount of talking you do when you're uh, driving somewhere and hiking up some trail, it's just constant good talking, just yeah. connection. Yeah. yeah. But to do that, you've got to slow down the pace of your life yeah. and disentangle yourself from some of the other responsibilities you have mm-hmm. or interests that you have in order to sacrifice, to have that time, even though it's a limited amount of time in terms of his whole life. It is, it is really making that investment when you can make it and being able to put other stuff on the, on the shelf mm-hmm. for that time. Yeah. It's sort of like if you knew that a certain stock was going to soar <laughs> for these years, you know, you want to invest the most money in those years. Mm-hmm. And, and the same way with our kids, it's like it feels like a lot of time, but that time's gone so quickly. And yeah. so just you know, view this five, 10 year period of their life, you know, 12 year period, whatever that is, you know, from elementary into when they leave, you know, just say, I am going to make huge investments of time there because that's when I get the most return. I'll I'll have lots more time later in life to do other things, but I will never get this time back to to make this investment. I I think a perspective that has occurred to me later that was, that's really important is that it did not mean that my son avoided all problems at all that I spent all that time and instruction and enjoyment and uh, trying to, and winning him and correction and all that, he still has problems. He's, he's fallen. He's a fallen creature of the world too. He's, he's part of this fallen world and he's got his sin nature and his own issues that he's going to have to deal with, with Jesus all his life anyway. But he was not a rebel against me or against Jesus. And that's, that was the goal. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I think as much as you can, and I don't know why I'm sharing things. You guys have all the wisdom on this. But here's one thing we've done that worked, but <laughs> creating kind of a liturgy of this in our own home, mm. right? So we pray for them at night, mm. just having things we say to them every night, and they want you know, blessing them every night. But 
just having things that, that become routine to, to say to them, you know, just praying that, you know, I, every night for me, it's, I love you. I accept you. I approve mm. of you. I'm pleased with you. Mm. I'm thankful you're mine. Mm. And then, you know, and right. just, just so that's what they go to bed thinking about. Right. And, um, there's a, a great scene. I don't know if you guys saw it. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, who just won the masters. Mm. Uh, he's the number one golfer in the world right now. A few weeks ago, he won a tournament another tournament. He's just absolutely unstoppable. But his dad comes running up, gives him a hug <laughs> right after the tournament. He says, I love you, Scott, but I'm more proud of who you are than your golf. You are a wonderful young man. Awesome. And uh, I just think that's what every kid wants to hear. Yeah. yeah. That uh, yeah. Yeah. In, your, in your worst failures, I'm yeah. so pleased that you're mine. Yeah. And your greatest accomplishments, it's not the accomplishment that did it. It's, it's who you are. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think if we can if we can say that to our kids on a consistent basis and then act like it, mm-hmm. um, they are they are getting something from us that no one else could give them. Yeah. yeah. Because the reality is, if you don't give that to your kid, um, they're going to look for it the same thing from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But that other person, that someone else, is not going to be their parent, mm-hmm. and so it's not filling the same. It's it's a chasm, right? <laughs> that that God has designed us to fill. Um, imaging him. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have any more thoughts on that. But well, that I'm, just strikes me. I'm the only earthly father of my son. Yeah, you know, but no, no other father can call him into call into his life. Yeah, until Jesus calls into his life. Yeah, yeah. Any other thoughts? Well, the same. I mean, I think it's what we're saying here is that you cannot minimize your responsibility for your kids. Because you're the only only parent they'll ever have, yeah. yeah, and and you have influence that nobody else is has, mm-hmm. and you can you can waste that influence, or you can use that influence for great good in their lives, but when you get to the end of your life, what you did with your kids will be one of the primary things that will stand out to you in terms of what you what you're grateful for or what you regret, and. Uh, but we just don't think that way on our day-to-day lives. No. We always think that there's something more important. That they're fine. They're 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 healthy. They're clothed. They're getting enough to eat. You know, they're doing well in school. What's the deal? And and don't realize that the shaping of their character and their walk with God is the primary thing mm. that you're here for. And and that will be one of the, your either one of your great failures or one of your great successes when you get to the end of life. Yeah. And I would just say this is the secret sauce because even if you felt like I haven't done a great job leading my kids in devotions and I'm not that consistent in the word, I, if mm-hmm. you have been gentle toward them, or let's say even more fundamentally, if they want to be with you still, mm-hmm. if they just like being with you, you've got the ultimate advantage in parenting because <laughs> if they have any sort of sense of being connected or tethered to you, then you just you have so many opportunities to influence them yeah. for Jesus. Yeah. So, um, good. Any other thoughts before we land the plane? <laughs> I like that phrase, "land the plane." <laughs> Thanks for adding that thought, Greg. I have and, no and, idea. And <laughs> I have no idea what the, how to do such a thing. What that really means? If we're really if we really were in a plane and we had to land it. Let's land the plane. I think one of the <laughs> one of the frustrations that parents have when their kids are in their teenage years, and it's a time to be real patient, but especially sons, 
that sons will of all of a sudden go um, on radio silence with their parents, mm. and and the and the sons will just seem to have not only have no interest in their parents, but their parents will try to reach out and talk to them and share with them, and the sons will just it'll be like talking to a rock, you know, and that and 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 it's, I see it happen so much. Um, and and I think the encouragement is there's nothing you can do that will prevent that from happening. I I think I think that's part of being a boy for a lot of in a lot of cases that boys and I don't think boys even understand why they do that. They just do. Um, but it's it's to keep on not get discouraged, yeah. but keep on loving and they will come out of that. They they eventually will. But I think it's especially hard for mothers um, because this wonderful little guy that was you know always at her you know, around hanging on her legs and wanting to talk about everything, all of a sudden doesn't want to talk to her anymore. Mm-hmm. Or it's tough for dads who've had a close relationship with their son, and all of a sudden their son just ha- has no time for them, things like that. Just keep on. Just keep on pursuing them. Keep mm-hmm. on going after them because it will, it will change. It's just a, it's just a phase. Yeah. And, and uh, don't react and say, well, if, you know, if he doesn't have time for me, well, I certainly have better things to do than him. <laughs> stuff mm-hmm. like that, and become bitter toward them. But just to realize that uh, keep on pursuing them no matter what. Mm-hmm. And and the same is true for young daughters. They they A lot of times they tend to go the other extreme. They get real emotional about things, and everything is a fight, and everything is a battle, uh, and stuff like that. And you got to be consistent. Just keep bringing the, the, the level of, of, of tension down by your calmness. And let them be. Let them be a little emotional. That's okay. But that you're the you're the rock there. That so never changes. Their body mm-hmm. is completely reconfiguring itself. Oh, yeah. So that is uh, <laughs> no, our kid, a reason to be patient. Our, yeah, our kids are ambushed by their hormones. Yeah. And so are we. And uh, <laughs> but at least we know to expect it. Yeah. Yeah. We know what's going on. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, and I, and I think it gets to you know when you do discipline, discipline with actions, not with emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah. That, that that don't think I'm really gonna lay this point in by you know being aloof and distant or no. just a critical spirit, an eye of Mordor that uh, are yelling, are yelling, or or yeah, yeah, either either yeah. explosiveness or aloofness. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I've had to repent of that a lot because I I um y- you think you're driving a point home by being emotional about it or something like that, and so often you're just you're cutting your own legs out from under you in terms of the yeah the you know uh, yeah. your daughter John uh, we're we're discussing this we did a we went through this as a like a study with her group and she said uh, about you she said that you could not be um, surprised by anything. And that that was one of the greatest things was that that there wasn't always a reaction. Oh no, the you know hair on fire. It was, it was very much so that she said you said, um, well that's normal, and that's that's just that's just normal human life, and uh, Jesus Jesus leads us. So I mean, she said that that was something that stuck with her as an impression entirely. Mm-hmm. So. That's good. And, you know, she turned out okay, so I think it was good. (laughs) Well, I'm glad we circled the runway a few more times. We'll bring it in for a landing now. 
crashing. We're crashing. We're <laughs> crash land. We <laughs> ran out of fuel. Last week's episode, Dad crashed the plane at the end of that uh, that podcast. But this is a smoother landing, a little bump, you know, the two bumps, and uh, and we're good, just like Southwest. So yeah, just, that's right. Yeah, so. A little clapping afterwards. A little, little clapping, yeah. The, exactly. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. And uh, listeners, uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back again next week to talk more. 